I am going to, let's put up that first slide, Jeff. We're going to talk more about relationships this morning. I'll talk more about relationships. I counted my series. I didn't even know how many message I had, messages I had spoken in this series, but we're on our seventh message. That's a lot of relationship messages, don't you think? So we're going to speak, or this morning I will speak the seventh and the last message on relationships. And we're, I'm going to, in this message, I'm going to try to take the different components of other messages and some other new things and, and kind of morph them into a, hopefully, one smooth message. And I think had I just preached this message in the beginning, it may have been easy to preach in the beginning, but I think we needed to spend the depth and the time on some of the other points from the other messages. So you're going to, for those of you who have been around, you'll say, oh, I've heard some of this before. Yes, you have. But I hope there's enough new things in here to make it interesting for you. And also, the key to any message is that we do what we hear. Right? Right? Okay, all right. just making sure. And I've got to make sure to finish by noon. Could you imagine if I preached through the Packers game? I think there could be pandemonium in here. Well, we can't have pandemonium in here. So, all right, let's go. Jeff, first slide. Let's look at a couple verses. They have, been, they have been benchmark verses for us in this relationship series. Uh, Genesis 2.18, And the Lord God said, It is not good the man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. It was God's idea for companionship. Now, we know this is uh, a husband and a wife, a man and woman type of companionship. But this is what started it all. It was God's idea for companionship. Okay, Lord, this is wonderful. It's your idea. This is a good thing. Philippians 2.3, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each esteem others better than himself. So, no matter what in relationships, how should we do it? Let each esteem others better than themselves. Not, you know, but better than themselves. This is actually a critical piece for us in relationships. These two verses we've kind of worked on for every week. And I can't imagine talking about relationships and not considering the fact that they're God's design and not considering the fact that we need to know to esteem others better than ourselves in order to make this whole relationship thing work. All right, Jeff, next one. We looked at friends, believers, and non-believers and different types of relationships, and we actually spent several weeks on this. Uh, believers, it's hard to read, you know, that, that blue. It looked great on my computer, but as I look at it, and I hope you can read it, the left column, the blue word is believers, and in the right column, the blue word is non-believers. But believers, we need to love them. The Bible says it is our brand. Jesus himself said, John 13, people will know you by your love one for another. And he's saying disciples for disciples. We should be known for that. We should not be known for picking on other denominations. We should not be known for picking on other franchises or other this or that or this person in our congregation or that person across the street. We should be known by our love. How can we love somebody if we don't esteem others more than ourselves? See, isn't that a good baseline verse? We need to bring good friends, believer friends, bring out the best. They bring out the best. They own being a friend. It's Proverbs 17, 17. I actually, I was thinking about this, and you can... Check out this verse on your own. But I want to give you Proverbs 18.24 as well. And we've used this verse. There stick a friend closer than a brother, 
but a man, that's the second half of the verse. But the first half is, a man that hath friends must show himself to be friendly. If you want friends, we have to act like a friend. The burden of relationships is on us, and believers, we know that. And believers, we build each other up. We encourage each other. And in this particular verse, and again, you can check these on your own, but in this particular verse, he's talking about how we speak to each other. You know, there might be a hard word, but from a friend, a hard word builds us up. That's a, that's a deep and an intimate relationship when hard words from friends actually make us better off. So friends build friends. Non-believers, we have a different type of relationship with non-believers. Protect our walk with God. That's our top priority. We know that from Proverbs 12, 26. We need to protect our walk with God. Very important. We need to have a purpose for our relationships with non-believers. It's not just the same as a relationship with a believer. We need to have a purpose. We looked at the scriptures of Jesus in Luke 7. He's speaking and he says, Hey, you call me these names. You call me a wine-bibber and a glutton. And you say I'm friends with these people. But you're going to see, and they use this kind of an expression of the time, you're going to see that my time with them has a point. And our time with people who don't know the Lord needs to have a point. It needs to have a purpose. If we ever find ourselves with no purpose, just treating like a full equal, something is off. We have got to share the gospel with them. That is the mission that Jesus did, and he is our example for us to do the same. That makes sense, right? Love them and have patience. We need to love people who aren't, aren't believers, and we need to have patience with them. Now, really, we need to have patience with everybody, but we need to love people and have patience. And I'm going to read this verse in Colossians 4. You don't have this, but conduct yourself with wisdom in your interactions with outsiders. Make the most of each opportunity, treating it as something special. Let your speech be at all times. Be gracious and pleasant, seasoned with salt, so that you will know how to answer each one who questions you. Clearly, this is talking about, make sure you have an agenda, say it nicely, and conduct yourselves with wisdom. Finally, that last point, we never quite fit in with their belief system. Non-believers have a belief system where they can do anything they want. As believers, we do everything the Lord wants. And those two systems don't always match up. The, the economy, for example, as believers, the Lord says, tithe. Okay, I'll tithe. If I go to a non-believer and say, I, I tithe, I give 10% of my income, most of them think I'm crazy. Amen? Have you ever told a non-believer if you, that you tithe? What? They have enough money. What are you talking about? That's all they want is money. That's not true here, by the way. Just for the record... Oh, the economy, how we treat people. You know, the world's definition of love is, hey, if it feels good, you know, you can call it love. A man can love a man, a woman can love a woman. There's a term floating around, uh, sexually fluid. Now that, that system of relationship is not consistent with the Lord's, Lord's system of relationship. Right? We do not fit in. In fact, there's an old expression, and I think it's very good for this day. Counterculture. Believers, the more time goes on in society, the more believers are counterculture. There used to be a time where morals of believers, or morals of the word, 
getting blended in a lot with society, and we're seeing more and more and more where that's not the case. We're being separated. We're becoming more and more counterculture. If you're the kind of person that likes to fit in with all the people around you, you have a challenge in that. And if you're the kind of person that likes to be abrasive, you have a different challenge. That covers everybody, right? We have challenges being counterculture. Next slide. The value of relationships. It isn't just about having relationships that satisfy us. That's not the job of relationships necessarily. Yes, it's a benefit to have relationships that satisfy. It's very difficult to hang out with somebody when you don't click. But I'm talking broader than that. 1 John 2, this whole chapter, I tell you, if you're ever in the mood to read a chapter on relationships, read this one. And dig into it. It's a great chapter in relationships. A lot of 1 John is. Chapter 4 is another one. Very good on relationships. Anyhow, it says, Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light. And in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness had blinded his eyes. If we think we can hate somebody, if we think we can walk in that, we're in the darkness. How can we hate somebody and be in the light? Is it possible? We just read it. It's not even possible. If we hate somebody, we have got to let that go to be in the light. Now, some of you, you know, this word this morning about healing... I believe there's healing in relationships that need to happen this morning. Some of you probably have somebody in your life that did some very terrible things or said some terrible things to you or about you. This is a wonderful morning to seek prayer for that. We can't, we don't have the opportunity, the luxury, if you, I don't know if it's a luxury to hate somebody, but we can't do it. If we do it, we're in the dark. This, is a, this, is, this gives me pause. I believe if the greater community of believers, if they understood this, there wouldn't have been racism for many, many years. Anti-Semitism wouldn't be there if we understood this. Now, I know today we're living in an era where in Milwaukee where there's all kinds of issues and these sorts of things. As believers, if we just walk in these verses, we're going to come out all right. Amen? You know, the world, what Milwaukee needs is to be a Christian city. That will take care of all these problems. All kinds of people have all kinds of solutions, but the only solution that's going to fix Milwaukee is the Word. We don't even have people that define racism the right way. The same way, I should say. One person will say racism is this, one more person will say racism is that. We could try an experiment, then I'm going to stop with the racist uh, aspect of this. Jim was talking on racist things. I'm smiling if you're listening to audio. Our definitions are all off. And this is, this is really it. We don't even define words the same way we used to define words 15 and 20 years ago. 
And so words that are, that are sensitive, that are hot topics, word like racism and things related to racism, we're not even, as, the, as a city of Milwaukee, all even working on the same definitions. So we could spend all of our time working on defining those words, or we could spend a lot of time just sharing the gospel of Jesus with people and let the Holy Spirit do the work. Now, I know that we've got to be active in the city. I understand that. I'm not saying that we should just disregard these broader issues. But really, we just need to share the Lord. Okay, that's my tangent. Back to this. Without relationships, though, we don't have an, a proper understanding of how the Lord wants us to interact. We talked about earlier, we talked about the fact that we have relationships we have uh, parent relationships or sibling relationships or friend relationships or uncle or aunt relationships or mother or grandmother or great-grandmother or great-grandfather. or any of the, We have so many forms of relationships to walk in, and everyone is in the scriptures in some way on how for us to have conduct so we can walk in the light. And hate's not at the base of any of them. Next verse. So what I'd like to do is we'll use this, this topic to kind of springboard us into this idea of how we can build relationships with everybody. And I mean just build relationships. We understand there's value to them. We understand there's need to them. We understand that we're living in a time, a tumultuous time, where relationships are more challenging than they've ever been before. How do we do it? How do we build relationships to share the gospel? How do we build relationships to maintain relationships with our, with our spiritual family? How do we do it? Some of these might apply to a natural family. Actually, they all would apply to a natural family. So following Paul's example, toss your expectations out if you want to build a relationship or expectations of others. Don't have expectations of other people. If you want to build relationships, take your expectations for that, what they should do for you and throw that out the window. And we've got this great illustration, Philippians 4. Paul was in prison. He was in a tough time. And he said, I've rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Now that length you have revived your concern for me. Thank you, Lord. They care about me. That's a good statement by Paul. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now, this is the, next, this is the key. He's in prison. He really could use their, their benefits and their blessings. And he said, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatsoever situation I am to be content. I could have used your help, but it's okay. It's all right. I'll make it without your help. He didn't have his expectations, but he was glad when they did get in contact with him. That's nice, isn't it? No expectations of others. Then we're not disappointed. There's a super spiritual movie called Dodgeball. And in the movie, the lead actor says, goals. Why bother having goals? If you don't have goals and you don't do anything, then you're not disappointed. Some, some truth to that. <laughs> all right, Jeff. If you want to build relationships, pray for all people. This is an interesting one to me. This includes all people, by the way. It includes your enemies. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. All people. All people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. There are verses in the Bible that say pray for your enemies. Love those that do harm to you. There's no doubt about that. I, haven't, I, I don't know about you, but it's challenging sometimes to pray for enemies. 
unless I want to pray that, I, that God smites them. That's where I want to pull out the Old Testament words. God, that you would crack the earth and have them fall in and the lamentations be heard all through the cosmos. I mean, those are the verses I want to pray. Right? Are you with me? Do you want to pray that? But we need to pray for them. So I find this is my method for whatever this is worth. If there is somebody who's causing me trouble, I will spend a big chunk of one day praying just for them. That they get all of the things they want and that they choke on them. No, no. That they get, that they are drawn to the Lord. That they are drawn to, to the promises of Him and the blessings. And I start to pray for blessings on their family. I pray for their friendships. I pray for their neighbors. I pray for all of the things that I would pray for my family. I pray on them. And by the end of the day, I'm still not really happy with them, but I'm much less angry than I was. Much less angry. And I had a situation, and I mentioned this in the past, but uh, I had a situation where I had a boss who uh, was really a challenging boss. And I had prayed for him, and I did the best I could to try and do right by God and, and pray for blessings for him and that our relationship would improve and that all the things in his life. And it just didn't click with this guy. And I gave notice, and I said, so long, I'm out of here, and I'm not going to miss you at all. I did really the best I could. And then I found out that the company terminated him after I left. And I believe I was the last straw. He had the chance to fix things. Isn't that something? So now I really do pray for him that he gets a job. He makes some new friends. I feel bad and glad and bad. But I do pray for him. So we pray for our enemies. And we pray for those we love. But I want to encourage you to do this by name. God, I pray for the cosmos and all the people in it. That all the people would be saved. I mean, that's a very good prayer. But if you know somebody that needs, needs the Lord, God, I pray for Ned or Bob or Marty. Marty Spilkes. So we pray for these things. We these people by name. Pray for friends by name. Pray for your neighbor by name. We have a neighbor. They do a wonderful job of staying up late at night. And they're very good at having a bonfire in their backyard and having music play. And they're very good at that. So I've started praying for them when I take my dog out in the backyard. I have. Lord God, that they, they understand that there are old people that live next to them. <laughs> but I do. I pray for them. Next slide. Be authentic. Be authentic. This is a challenging one. Uh, this is challenging for believers with non-believers, for believers with believers. This is an interesting one. 1 Thessalonians 2.8. Be authentic. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel, not only the gospel, but also of our own selves. There's an authenticity in this, isn't there? Because you had become very dear to us. Be authentic. Now, if you've ever... Over the years, if you work and, and you love the Lord, there's a, probably a good chance that somebody at your job has said, what is different about you? Amen? Does that happen to anybody? Just kind of get, yeah? Okay, so it's happened. 
where somebody at work or somebody who doesn't know the Lord, they look at you and they say, what is different about you? And I remember one time there was a man who said, what is different about you? And I said, I'm better looking, smarter. No, he, he asked me what's different, and I, and I said, I don't, I don't know, I have a relationship with the Lord. And I just jumped into that, and I used that as a springboard. And then he said, you know, I have to decide if this is really you or not, or if you're just putting it on. Well, what am I supposed to do about that? I'm just being me. And if he picks up anything, it's the Lord in me. So being authentic with non-believers can be challenging. They might think that you're too good to be true, and that's what he said. You're too good. You're too nice to be true. I think you've got to be acting. Nope. But then there's relationships with believers who will say, yes, but if we're authentic, then we open ourselves up and we share everything. Well, authentic doesn't mean non-private. There are things in my life I'm not going to tell you. There are things in your life I don't want you to tell me. You know what I'm talking about, right? There are some things that are just... What? So, authenticity is a fine line. But we are ourselves. We speak normally in a way that people can understand. That's testimony of the Lord and the work that He's done in our lives. And yet we're building relationships at the same time. Don't judge motives. We could speak on this in a seven-part series. Jeremiah 17.10. But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. Who does? The Lord does. Not us. We judge. We can judge. Oh, can we judge. I am not ashamed of the fact that I am allowed to judge. You should not be ashamed of the fact that you are allowed to judge. My dad had a great statement. He said it years ago to me as a teenager, and I stuck. I said, very good. He said, if we weren't supposed to judge, would we have a book called Judges? That's true. That's very good. But we are supposed to judge. We judge actions. Actions. We judge what somebody does. But we don't judge why they do it. All the time, I'll hear people say things like, and I'm sure you've heard this. Nobody in this room has ever done this, I'm sure. Things like, oh, I know why they did that. I mean, I can tell you why they did that. Do you know why they did that? Have you ever heard anybody use those expressions? They're cutting straight to this idea that they know the heart. Have you ever made decisions? and You don't know why you made that decision? If we make decisions and we don't know why we make decisions, it seems altogether reasonable to think that nobody else is going to know why we made the decision we made. Only God judges the heart. Only God judges motives. And usually when people judge motives, they create this whole scenario of nothing. I know if I get that person aside, I'm going to tell them this, I'm going to tell them this, I'm going to tell them this. And that's usually based on judging motives. I know what they're going to say. They're going to say that. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. Judging motives. Very dangerous to build relationships. If you want to build relationships, don't judge motives. Oh, is that the home stretch? That's my last slide for you, isn't it? Don't go to the next slide, Jeff. There we go. It's what we say or don't say. The tongue. You wash your mouth with that? Or you talk, kiss your mother with that mouth? Or that's how it goes. 
You kiss your mother with that mouth? What we say or what we don't say. Now, we know this. All of us have been children at one point. We know this idea that we need to be careful with what we say. We have heard it from teachers. We have heard it from parents. We have heard it from friends or family. We know the importance of what we say or what we don't say. But yet, it is still a challenge for society. There was this swimmer, Ryan Lochte, the Olympic swimmer. How many of you have heard of this Olympic swimmer? He made up, a, he concocted a story about being robbed at gunpoint and all this other stuff. What we say and don't say is, can make us or break us. We need to say things so it cannot be condemned. I'm going to read this verse, Titus 2. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and a sound speech that cannot be condemned. Now this is in a teaching sense. But this is also a communication sense. So that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Is this not straightforward? We have got to be careful with what we say. And swearing isn't good, this next point. I know this sounds like a no-brainer, but it is a, I think it's a brainer. This has been a I have watched for my whole life, this one. It's amazing when somebody would grow up, and I'm my friends, and you know, they would grow up in a church, and they would grow up as believers, and they'd grow up in a, in, a, in a family that loved the Lord, and they'd grow up with morals and integrity, and they would never swear until they hit 23, 24, 25. And then they, okay, I'm an adult, I can swear. Suddenly it's okay to say coarse words? How can that be good? Well, I only say them around Christians. What? Well, define what a swear word is, Jim. What society says it is. It's not what I say it is. We all know what swear words are. We don't need to qualify swear words. You know, it's very difficult to swear and then share the gospel with the same person. Very difficult. It's very difficult to say, let me pray for you and swear at them. Very difficult. It's very difficult to swear and just try and encourage somebody in the name of the Lord. True? Okay, I'm going to get off that point. Gossip and backbiting. Proverbs 25. Uh, well, I'm just going to say this. We've all had people talk about us in our lives. Amen? Is that encouraging? If you want to build relationships, don't talk about people. And, and, and don't talk about people. Unless it's a good thing and it's a blessing. Let me tell you how wonderful so-and-so is. Let me tell you the kind things they've done for me. Okay, that's good. That's all we need to talk about. We have problems, Matthew 18, you bring it to them, you work it out with them. But we don't talk about it with everybody. Well, I've got one friend, I've got to talk to my friend. Well, you're not supposed to talk to anybody. Don't talk to anybody. Go to that person, figure it out. Honesty isn't the best policy, it's the only policy. Heard this from a preacher many years ago, and it's true. Honesty isn't the best policy. It's the only policy. We don't have the option to think if we're going to build relationships that we can lie to them. Ah, oh, it's just a white lie. It's a lie. I just didn't want to hurt their feelings. It's a lie. We want to build relationships. We talk to them. We read earlier, if we have a relationship with our friends with somebody, there might be a hard thing that we have to say but we say it in a nice way. We say it with grace. We say it with compassion because we want to build them up. We don't lie. 
we don't lie. Abraham lied to Pharaoh about his wife, and he didn't need to. He got in trouble for it. Lying's a bad thing. You know, the gossip reminds I've got a story. I'm going to read that story about gossip. Mildred, church gossip, not our church. If there's a Mildred here, her name is Susan. Mildred, the church gossip and self-appointed arbiter of the church's morals, kept sticking her nose in other people's, uh, other members' private lives. Church members were unappreciative of her activities, but feared her enough to maintain their silence. You know the kind of person I'm talking about, right? She made a mistake, however, when she accused George, a new member, of being an alcoholic after she saw his pickup truck parked in front of the town's one and only bar. She commented to George and others, that it, to everyone listening, actually, that she knew what he was doing. She saw where the truck was, and she was on to him. George was a man of few words. He stared at her for a moment and just walked away. He didn't explain, defend, deny. He said nothing. Later that evening, George quietly parked his pickup in front of Mildred's house and left it there all night. Yeah. That's very good, George. Speaking too quickly. Speaking too quickly. Be careful with how fast you respond. And there's actually another verse I'm going to give you for this, uh, beside the one you see on the screen. For those of you who are taking notes, I just need to find my place. Proverbs 29.30, There is more hope for a fool than for someone who speaks without thinking. So I'm telling you fools that you have a chance. There's more hope for you. Don't speak too quickly. Uh, we've all been caught speaking without the facts, and it's awkward, and it's very difficult to build a relationship when we don't take the time to think about what we're saying. And speaking too much, my goodness, stop talking, let your friends talk too. And it sounds like a duh, but have you ever been with somebody that's talked too much? That means there are people here who don't know that they're talking too much. So every now and then, pause and look at your friend and say, what do you think? Give him a chance. And that will help you build relationships. Lee and I were having dinner with a couple yesterday. They know who they are. We were just talking about people who talk too much. But they can be great friends. I'm not going to belabor this point, but I think it's clear. So here's why we talked on relationships. This is why I wanted to go through this series. I prayed about it. I think the Lord was really leading me on this. I've been thinking about putting this into a brochure and putting this into our welcome packs. That would be something, huh? If you want to have friends at Grace, don't talk too much. <laughs> but I, I've been stewing on this now for some time, and I have read, read, read on relationships. There is, I, I, the Lord really opened my eyes on the width and the dimensions of relationships in Scripture. Our relationship with Him, and everything after that is about really relationships. Money, trusting Him through relationship, everything, it's relationships. 
We need to be a church of relationships, positive relationships. How fast can we welcome our visitors? How fast can we do it? How well do we support each other in the hard times? And we all go through the hard times, right? We do. Sometimes it's hard for us to talk about it. I have a hard time, when I'm in a difficult season, I don't talk about my difficult season very well. And I, and I have a hard time getting it out. And there's been times where I've talked to my wife, and I, I, I think I must sound ridiculous. And Leah will say, what are you saying? <laughs> so it's hard for me. And for some of you, you're probably like me. If you're in a difficult season, you may have a hard time doing it. But if we listen slowly and we don't go with answers, we can, we can encourage those people. Some of you, you can speak very quickly when you're in difficult seasons. In fact, it's wonderful to find somebody to speak to right away. It helps you process it. That's wonderful. Then we understand that as hearers, we're confidential. And we don't try to judge their motives. We'll never do it. We'll never be accurate. Maybe we might guess something right, but we'll never with real sincerity be accurate why people are doing what they're doing. Being a friend, building friendships, building relationships, understanding there are two types with people who believe and with not. These are all core elements of being a member here at Grace. We don't want to ever be a service or a congregation that just comes, sits, and goes home. We want to be a congregation of relationships. So, that's why we went through the series. It's exciting, isn't it? Good relationships are exciting. They're encouraging. Please stand up. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for the model of relationships. And we thank you for the structure and the guidance on how to have good relationships. Lord, I want to simply pray that we would uh, be doers of this, that we would be a congregation that would be strong in building and maintaining good relationships, Lord, that we receive those who you bring in spirit, that we encourage each other in the good times and the bad times in life, Lord, and we always remember the structure that you have given for us in relationships. Lord God, I pray for people here who are going through difficult relationships or who have had gone through difficult relationships with hard times and hard memories, Lord. That you liberate them. Show them what to do and how to act on what they've gone through. Thank you for the calling of this congregation. This excellent family to be a part of, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Amen.